We have been discussing the Gospel of Mark, and as we have been going through the Gospel of Mark, we have found that the religious leaders, Pharisees, Herodians, and so on, are squishing people, you know, making laws, rules, and regulations. Christ, in contrast, is freeing people. So the last two weeks, as well as this week, we're taking some time to interact, just discussing the idea of freedom versus slavery. And this morning we want to discuss the idea of what is freedom in Christ. And as we begin, I'm posing a question. These are thought questions or thought situations. Are the following individuals free? A lady gets up tomorrow morning to two children, an unsaved husband, and a busy day at the house, plus a host of running. As her day starts, she reminds herself that she must be patient with her children, speak kindly to her husband, not to lose her cool in the heat as she goes out. She remembers her response to her husband several days ago was not good when he did not treat her well. She knows her struggle increases in the summer just with the heat. As she begins her day, she thinks, Lord, help me in all my dues. Is this teenager free? Teenager heads off to school. As he gets around for school, he talks to God about his desire to be helpful, kind to other students. He tells God he wants to listen to the teachers. As he continues, he mentions Christ is his life and tells God he just wants to love him today. He goes on and he's thinking, I can't live this thing called the Christian life, but I want to be sensitive to God, to Christ and the Holy Spirit, since Christ is my life. Is he free? A man is sitting at his computer after his family has gone to bed. A website comes up that is tempting and has some tempting images. In his spirit, he thinks this is not what he desires. He wants his joy sexually to come and be experienced with his wife. Before he clicks to move on, temptation hits hard to linger a few moments longer. Then this thought crosses his mind. Christ is my life. He clicks and moves on, shuts down the computer, and goes to bed. Is he free? Joe and Bernadine have had several rounds with their children. They feel their kids just don't get it. They argue. They complain about obedience. They claim dad and mom are trying to control their lives. They often fight among themselves. Joe and Bernadine are discussing their children. Joe mentions that perhaps... He and Bernadine need to stop and look at their own lives. Joe leads in uttering a brief prayer. Lord, show us our real selves. Help us. As they continue their conversation, they realize that as mom and dad, they often argue and disagree about how to correct the children. They think they're good parents if their kids always obey. So they're forever trying to make them obey so others think they're good parents. They're not talking to God together about their children. And Joe is passive in teaching and correcting the children 
Well, Bernadine is aggressive. They openly confess their sin to God and ask God to help them understand Christ at work in them as they strive to be godly parents. Are they free? Let's take our Bibles and turn to Colossians. The book of Colossians, chapter 2. Paul is writing to a body of believers that apparently were struggling with, being tempted with, or being exposed to teaching that was undermining Christ and Christ alone. Apparently teaching that said, you know, you need angels. You need a series of other beings to get to God. Or a series of do's and don'ts that if you're going to maintain a right relationship with God. And Paul writes very, very strongly in verses 15 through 23 of chapter 1. We won't read those verses, but he describes who Christ is. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation and so on. And then in chapter 2, he says some interesting things. In verse 3, he talks about the fact that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. But we want to pick up with reading in verse 9 of chapter 2 of Colossians. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head head over every power and authority. In him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done by the hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, And raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. In Christ dwells all the fullness of deity in bodily form. When Christ was on the earth, deity resided in him. Fully God. All the fullness of deity lives in Christ in bodily form. And then he says, and you've been given fullness in Christ. The idea of being given fullness in Christ is that in Christ we have been filled full, we remain full with all that we need for living godly in day-by-day living. The glass has been filled full. It remains full. It's tippy-top. You can't add any more. You can't take any out. For in Christ all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form, and you've been given fullness in Christ. Done. Period. Can't do any more. Can't get any fuller. Can't get any emptier. It remains. You remain in fullness if you're in Christ. Who is the head over every power and authority? He's the head over the demonic world. He's the head over Satan. He's the head over angels. In him, you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. And then he goes on to say it's not a circumcision done by hands. The circumcision that is done by Christ is the putting off of the sinful nature. You know, we battle with sin, with temptation. But we've been circumcised the putting off of the sinful nature. I think a parallel passage would be Romans chapter 6, where that, or where through Christ, being buried with him, raised with him, the power of the sinful nature has been broken. It's done. 
Verse 12, he says, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. He goes on in verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. While we were dead, Christ, or God made us alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. He forgave us all our sins. Think about that. In Christ, we have forgiveness of all sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us, that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Ties in with Mosaic law and so on. And in verse 15, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. The world of demons, Satan, and his demonic reign. What did Christ do? He disarmed them, made a public spectacle of them through the cross. In light of that, he says in verse 16, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival, a new moon, celebration, or Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. You may recall that I gave the example one time that when Ruth Ann and I were dating I bought her a box of chocolate one Valentine's Day, and the next night I came over and she'd eaten the whole box, a pound of it. That was enough for three weeks. And then we get married, and I bought her another box, and when I went off to school, I locked it in the fouling cabinet. (laughs) Because you shouldn't eat so much chocolate. Lo and behold, twice this week, when I was out, I thought of Ruth Ann and I bought her a chocolate candy bar each time. And if she wanted to eat the whole thing, that was fine. I bring that up for this reason. If I am not careful, I could judge Ruth Ann by the amount of chocolate she eats. Because chocolate and I don't agree. Now, we laugh about that, but how many times in our world today are we judged by what we eat or don't eat? Whole religions are built on eating and not eating. And Paul says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink. Or with regard to religious festival. Well, we keep Easter one way, someone else keeps it a different way. Let's not judge one another because we're in Christ. Verse 18, do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into detail about what he has seen and his own spiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. Apparently some worship of angels involved. And he says... Don't get caught up in that. He has lost all connection to 
connection with a head who is Christ, from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments, grows, I'm sorry, ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of the world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Ruth Ann, don't eat chocolate. Dan, avoid sugar. Don't eat meat on certain days. He's saying, lay that aside because in Christ, you have completeness. It's not a matter of what you do or what you don't do. Verse 22, these are all destined to perish with use because they're based on human commands and teachings. Such, such, regu- such regulations indeed have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. We can get caught up in do's and don'ts. And Paul says, in Christ, you have fullness. In Christ, you've been circumcised. In Christ, you have forgiveness. In Christ, the spirit world, the demonic world has been defeated. And then he says in chapter 3 and verse 1, Since then you've been raised with Christ. We've been raised with Christ to a newness of life. He says, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. When Christ, who is your life. The Pharisees, the Herodians, and other religious leaders in the Gospel of Mark were saying, do this, do that, don't do, do. And that's the way you determine if someone was spiritual. We discussed the issue of the Sabbath day and how far you could walk on the Sabbath day and what you could or could not do on the Sabbath day. All confining, restraining, restricting. And Christ, in the Gospel of Mark, brought freedom time and time again. And Paul writes in... Colossians to say, in Christ, you're free. This is just a shot at defining freedom in Christ. It's by no means the definition. Living 24-7 from a growing desire to think, to believe, to talk, to act within the design, pattern or structure provided by God through the life we have in Christ, in dependency upon the Holy Spirit, with God blessing us. There's a desire that is growing to think, believe, and act within the design that we were made. I was created as a man, living within, the, within that design. I'm a husband, I'm a father, living within that design. I'm a citizen, living within that design. Through the life that we have in Christ, 
This morning as I was walking around the sanctuary talking to God about our times together today, I said, God, I can't do this. I can't live the Christian life. I can't speak your word. I can't. Christ is my life. God, I can't love Ruth Ann. I can't. Christ is my life. The Spirit of God works it in me. Living in that way as a man, a woman, a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, a child, a citizen, an employer, an employee, a student, a neighbor, a friend, a member of the body of Christ, an alien in the world, or an ambassador to our world. They're just day-by-day living. Colossians chapter 3 and chapter 4 talks about the body of Christ, how we relate to one another. Talks about marriage, talks about the home, talks about slaves and masters, just how you live. So when am I free as a husband, as a father, as a man? When I reject passivity, when I lead courageously, when I accept responsibility, when I love my wife, when I pray for my children, my grandchildren, and so on. Out of desire, because Christ is my life. When is a child free? As they come to faith in Christ, and they honor, they obey, they respect their parents, because they are coming to understand that Christ is their life, and this is their design that they will mature and develop as they live in the design that God has given for them. We can apply that just to all of life. List some scriptures. We looked at Colossians chapter 3. We're not going to look at the others. But they all deal with Christ. That in Christ we find freedom. We're free from a list of do's and don'ts. God works and we desire. The believer in Christ joyfully, freely, lovingly chooses to submit, to live under the design, the structure, the pattern of God through Christ's life in him or her in dependency upon the Holy Spirit. There's a humility that is recognizing and accepting I can't. But Christ, at work in me through the Holy Spirit, I'll respond. Christ is our life. We don't do a series of things to be a good believer. We glory in Christ, the Spirit at work within us, allowing Him to work. So a few thoughts. To help us understand freedom, here are a few other comments. A practical knowledge that God has provided all we need in Christ. A practical knowledge. It's in Christ. It's not what I have to do or what I don't have to do. It's not what I have to avoid 
or what I have to make sure I get into. It's in Christ. That affects living from a want to or a desire to rather than a have to mindset. Well, I have to pray this morning. God, I just want to talk to you about my day in light of Christ. Driving down the road, this is for guys now, probably more guys than gals. Driver in front of you does something that irritates you to the nth degree and you know you're ready to say a few choice words and thought comes through your mind. You know, I'm still at work in you. The Spirit is at work. Reminding you that the driver may have blown it, but Christ is still your life. You know, I want to respond in a different way. Freedom influences desire. And I think we move towards a want to. It seems like desire is a changing process. I gave the illustration of a guy who's sitting down to his computer. And those images come in the computer. As he is in Christ and walking in Christ, that influences his desire. Oh, I've got to make sure I avoid this. You know, I don't desire that the way I used to. It's a process as Christ is at work. Freedom is seen primarily in desire, not merely actions or words. Honey, I just want to make sure that you know that I love you. Now make sure you tell your wife that you love her. Where's the desire? Freedom in Christ influences desire. It's not a doing the right thing. The desire is being influenced because Christ is our life. We have completeness in Christ. So I get on the elevator the other day with a couple other people. We're on the elevator. And without even thinking, I said, how are you today? You know, and a couple other things. And this one person happened to respond in not such a good way. You know, in the sense that they were going through something, and then I responded. I didn't have to do that. I didn't plan to do it. It happened. You say, well, you had to choose to talk. Yeah, but the Spirit of God is at work in us. Because desire is being influenced. Think about circumstances in your life where you didn't have time to think about what, was going, what you were going to do. But yet you responded in a way that maybe you wouldn't have in the past. That's Christ at work in you. Sometimes it's a battle, yes. There's no need to measure up since you're accepted in Christ. You're loved by God Period. 
want you to listen as I read from Colossians chapter 2. For in Christ all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, and you have been given fullness in Christ if you do everything right. You've been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority, period. You've been filled full, you remain full. You don't have to do, you don't have to do, you don't have to do, you don't have to measure up. You're full in Christ, period. That's freeing. So I can say to God, for the last 10 minutes, my mind has been churning and worrying and fretting about that which I don't see. I've been Lord of my life, not you. And the Spirit reminds me, you know, in Christ you have fullness. Yes, you've been Lord of your life. You've been worrying and fretting. But in Christ you have completeness. See, that's freeing. It moves us from thinking we have to always do to measure up to responding to Christ and his work in us. The epistles with their... The epistles with their design. Structure for life, rules, or roles, responsibilities are seen as for our good, for our profit. So when the epistles tell a husband how to live, how a wife how to respond, how parents to respond, how children to respond, how a slave to respond, and so on, that's for our good, for our profit, and how we live, and how we respond. It's not a series of rules and do's and don'ts. It's living Christ in us in day-by-day day living. Freedom means, just a couple examples. I don't have to gather with believers, whatever form that may take, but I desire to gather with believers. It's a marked difference. I gotta gather with believers. I desire to gather with believers. And I'm not limiting that to Sunday morning or Sunday evening. I don't have to love or lead my wife, but I desire to love and lead my wife. Moving from the do to desire. I don't have to submit to government and taxes, but I want to submit to government and pay taxes. You say, I'll never want to do that. Do you ever consider that Christ can work in you? And when you're talking to someone this coming week about the whole debt deal and they're saying, well, if our government didn't waste their money and on and on and on and if our Congress and Senate took a cut in pay and so on, maybe things would be different. You can say, you know, God's been doing a work in my life over the last few years and I desire to obey our government. And I'm learning to desire to pay my taxes. And they'll probably look at you and say, you're going off your rocker, haven't you? You can say, yes, I have. Because Christ is at work in me. I can admit sin and seek forgiveness. I'm free to do that. 
I don't have to. I want to. One of the most freeing things is to go to someone and say, I was wrong. I sinned. I hurt you. God's been working in my life. I'm just admitting I was wrong. Will you forgive me? That's freeing. It's not like when we were raising our kids, you know, we'd say, now you go and tell your brother or sister you were wrong and admit it. Do I have to? Yes, I have. You have to. I want to. See, I'm free to do that. Christ. I can help others develop my responsibilities. You say, what do you mean? I can help someone to become proficient at what I am doing. So they can do it. Because I don't have to do what I do to find my identity in Christ. I'm accepted in Christ. I don't have to be right or defensive. For you guys who are married, your wife comes to you and says, honey, I want to talk to you. And you can tell by the tone of the voice that when she says, honey, I want to talk to you, something's not quite right. You say, yeah. And as you say, yeah. The Spirit of God works and you think, hmm, I'm not responding very well. Honey, go ahead, I'll hear you out. And she shares a number of items. You think, you know, I haven't been loving. I haven't been gracious to my wife. And the Spirit of God is at work in you. Christ is at work in you. And you say, honey, you know what you said is true. I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? She goes, he never does that. Christ is at work. That's freedom. We don't have to defend ourselves. It's also a greater openness with other members of the body of Christ. If you were in Sunday school class this morning in the men's class, Emerson shared something concerning his family. Alberta shared something concerning her family, husband and wife, sharing, not planned. I don't think they talked to each other beforehand. Open with the body of Christ. Major issue they're going through, but openness. See, that's freedom in Christ. If they love me, fine. If they don't love me, fine. But freedom in Christ. Are you free? Are you moving towards freedom? Are you growing in understanding the freedom that we have in Christ? That's why Mark, in his gospel, blows people out of the water, blows religious people out of the water, because he's offering freedom rather than do's and don'ts and making sure you measure up. Do you want to be free? Do you want to move towards freedom? And if you're moving in that direction, do you want to continue? Choice you'll have to make. Let's take our hymnals and turn to hymn 400. <clears throat> 